Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We all owe Paris Hilton an apology. For decades, the infamous heiress has been portraying a life of sheer perfection. Her closet is reminiscent of a store on the famous Rodeo Drive, her pictures are flawless, and her life is, well, fabulous. For many, she was the absolute epitome of a rich, dumb blonde, and hey, she did play the stereotype well. From famous party moments to her hit show, The Simple Life, you never really saw a different side of her. In fact, we all laughed along as she desperately tried to figure out how to mop a floor in a summer dress and high heels before finally turning to a Segway to help her finish the job, or when she kept calling a kitchen the cooking room. It was all good fun, and people were perplexed as to how someone could be this absolutely clueless. When the tabloids announced a dramatic night out on the town in 2006, where she had been caught driving under the influence, which led to one of the most iconic mugshots ever, people seemed to relish in her failure. After all, this is Paris Hilton. She had a life almost everyone was jealous of, and her failure, to some, felt like a sigh of relief. Maybe she wasn't so perfect. But in 2021, she released a documentary that shocked everyone. Paris had been through horrific trauma at the hands of the Provo Canyon School. Her perfect brand had been painstakingly built through the years as a way to fill in the darkness of her life, maybe even to quiet some of her constant nightmares. She said, "'Part of going to those schools and having nothing and everything taken away. When I got out of there, I was like, I just want to have everything I want and like, it's too much.'" The one hour documentary brought the world to its knees and shined a light not only on the atrocities faced by one of the most famous socialites in the world, but by the thousands of survivors of the now infamous Provo Canyon. A school meant to help at-risk youth and change their life for the better had done everything but. Instead, it was rife with abuse, misconduct, and if we're being 100% honest, downright torture. While Paris brought this to mainstream attention, it has been an ongoing issue that survivors have been begging people to notice for decades. So why did it take so long for anyone to care? What has been going on in the darkness that has finally been brought to light? Society seems to owe a lot more people than just Paris an apology. Now, do you guys hang out at Walmart? (laughs) What? (laughs) I've always heard that people hang out at Walmart. Why? I don't know. What is Walmart? Like they sell wall stuff? What is it? It's like, um, I've never even ever seen it. It's like Costco or like Sydney. I honestly don't even recognize that person anymore. Ever since we started shooting this, I've realized a lot more about myself. Hello and welcome to The Corporate Casket. I'm the Illuminati and today we're going to be talking about the horrifying history of abuse at the Provo Canyon schools. Now, 
please be aware that due to the nature of today's topic, this entire episode will contain multiple mentions of various forms of abuse. If you're not in the right space at this time to listen to this, feel free to skip this episode and I'll see you in the next one. The Provo Canyon Schools, which were founded in 1971, was originally an all boys school and they were allegedly created as a treatment center for teens. According to them, they brought in boys from ages 11 to 17 with a wide range of mental health disorders or issues with drug abuse, and they put them through an eight to 12 month program aimed to help them grow. Before long, they opened new campuses for girls as well. They boasted of their successes right from the very beginning, claiming that they had cracked the code and had the perfect program designed to rehabilitate any child, that is for the low cost of $12,500. The program they tout does not include the abuse that we now know has been transpiring for decades, but who would put, we will horribly scar your children for life on their pamphlet? No, instead, when you go to their website, you'll find honorable methods that lean on the core values of therapy, including compassion, nurturing, unconditional acceptance, and support in a positive and non-punitive environment. That last part is what really gets to me because that one, obviously from what I've just mentioned, is a lie, but we'll go on. Meanwhile, what was actually going on in the background was much different. From the very beginning, the boys in the program were treated not like people in need of compassion and attention, but as prisoners, who by the way, also need compassion and attention for rehabilitation, but that's a different subject. Instead of using their names, the staff would instead refer to them as their patient number, which strips them of their identity and humanity right off the bat. pretty much like dehumanization 101 here. All of their mail was closely monitored and censored. They were cut off from their loved ones almost completely until a quarter of the way through the program. And oh, if they earned too many investment points, which came from minor infractions, they would be forced to either sit in a chair alone all day or be put in an observation room. And the observation room is just a nice word for solitary confinement, by the way. For a program that swears to be helping people, they really seem to be doing everything in their power to do the exact opposite. Solitary confinement has horrific consequences for people and can actually increase pre-existing mental illness. Sure, maybe they didn't know at the time considering most studies revolving around solitary confinement have only become well-known in the 2000s, but I something about me just doubts it. If these people were supposed to be psychological experts, they would have or should have known the consequences since it has been studied pretty extensively for over 150 years. So either they knew it was wrong to do that back then and didn't care, or they didn't know and were willfully ignorant. I'm actually going to go in my hypothesis with the former, considering the terrifying knowledge that they continued with these practices far beyond their start in the 1970s and 80s. For a while, Provo Canyon was able to go on its way with mistreating patients without a second thought from the outside world. That is until two teenagers decided to sue the school's founders, Jack Williams and Robert Christ in 1980, after they ran away from the absolute hellhole. They sought protection from the school through the federal court system. Timothy Milanas and Kenneth Rice filed a lawsuit against Provo claiming they had suffered cruel and unusual punishment, anti-therapeutic and inhumane treatment, and denial of due process of the law. Knowing what we know now, that's probably exactly what happened. 
But our justice system being our justice system, the two young teens actually lost their case after a jury sided with Provo Canyon since they allegedly didn't have enough evidence. Now, my question is how exactly were they supposed to have all this evidence if their communications were monitored? It's not like there was a paper trail. Maybe we should look just a little deeper into children's claims when they run away from a school that was abusing them. Maybe just dig into the school a little bit further. Like, hmm, kids are running away from the school, they claim abuse, and then they even try to sue over the abuse. That's interesting. Why would they do that? Is it for attention? I don't think so. I think it's maybe because it was happening, but I don't know, just a quirky little idea apparently. However, not all hope for change seemed lost when a judge decided to slap permanent injunctions on the school that forbid them from doing a number of things in the future, like polygraphs, the use of isolation other than when they're being physically violent, reading their mail, or using any type of physical force other than when they're resisting the institution's rules. And just like that, all of Provo's problems seemed to fall by the wayside. The public believed that they would change. They went through about three different parent companies and any additional outcries about malpractice went virtually unnoticed. For the next two decades, parents around the United States shipped their troubled youths off to the schools with the promise that they would be safely rehabilitated and taken care of. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. And while hundreds of survivors have attempted to speak out about their heart-wrenching experience at these supposed schools, it took a massive celebrity sharing their experience for the entire world to take notice. Enter Paris. I think, yeah, it did bother her, but it was, it was our way of saving you. Did she tell you she was put into solitary? When you mean solitary, what do you mean? Solitary confinement, treating children like they're in a prison instead of a school. Are you serious? She's never told me that. When interviewers asked Paris Hilton's mom about her daughter's experience at the now infamous reformatory school, she seemed to react calmly at first. Sure, she knew her daughter had been troubled by the experience. She was told of the constant nightmares, but she says, it was our way of saving you. But when the interviewers pointed out that Paris had been put into solitary confinement, her face dropped. Clearly, it was worse than she had ever known. Paris remembers one thing very clearly from the beginning. At just 16 years old, people entered her home, came into her room and ripped her away from her family. She didn't know what was going on. And to her, she was being kidnapped. Terrified about what was happening to her, she screamed for her parents to help. But as she said, no one came. No one would tell her why people were dragging her out of her home. But this is how she was taken to the Provo Canyon School. And can you just, Imagine that level of terror as a child. Apparently, this was a normal induction to the school. Some people would check themselves into the school, others had their parents bring them, and others were simply captured from their homes and shipped out, unaware of where they were going, why they were being taken, or the horrors that awaited them. And when they arrived, things only got worse. Paris said she felt like a lot of people employed by the school got off on torturing children. They were made to sit for hours in a room, just staring at the wall. As time went on, children were forced to take medication without ever being told what they were for or why they were being handed mysterious substances to be taken. When Paris decided to stop taking the pills, she was punished with solitary confinement, of course. And there she sat alone in a room and hearing the person next to her screaming and crying and the person next to her being in another room. 
She couldn't tell her parents. The school made sure of that. They told her that her parents wouldn't believe her, that they would think she was lying. And I mean, it was her word against the word of trained professionals who the parents had hired and trusted with their child's well-being. So yeah, who were they going to believe? So after 11 months of suffering in a world of abuse, rules, and literal torture, Paris was free. And this is when she decided to build her brand. And now it's the brand we've all come to love and know, or maybe hate if you don't like Paris Hilton, but you know who Paris Hilton is. But the story behind the socialite blonde was far more than any of us had come to realize. And the documentary, This Is Paris, opened people's eyes not only to her struggles and history of abuse, but to other survivors. I don't know, see, I don't yeah. know if you recognize me. I looked very yes. different back then. Hey. Thank you for coming. Yeah, no problem. It's weird that like a lot of survivors, they wake up like after like 15, 20 years and like, wow, like it hits them. Nearing the end of the documentary, they have a survivor's reunion where multiple women gathered together to share their stories and offer much needed support and comfort from people that understand. Every single one of them shared terrifying stories of their abuses. And unfortunately, the abuses they faced in relationships even after leaving the school. Sadly, people who are abused as children or even teenagers are increasingly more likely to experience domestic abuse later in their lives. And for some of the survivors of Provo Canyon, that is exactly what happened. In an absolutely horrifying moment in the documentary, Paris is asked how many abusive relationships she had been in. She takes a moment, then starts counting on her hand. One, two, three, four, five. Her best friend in the program, Pike said, I think maybe being in places where they're abusive to you makes you think that's a normal way to be. The entire documentary ends with the group joining in efforts of a nonprofit, Survivors Breaking Silence, to spread awareness about Provo. And boy, did they spread awareness. Before long, Paris was leading protests near the school with hundreds of other survivors calling for it to be shut down. With Survivor written on their shirts, they marched near the school, calling attention to their atrocious treatment of their supposed patients and calling for not just their closure, but for all those that are in the massive troubled teen industry. As time has gone on, we have heard more stories from other celebrity survivors, including Paris Jackson, who is Michael Jackson's daughter. But most importantly, the voices of those without celebrity status are finally being heard. In a perfect world, we wouldn't have to wait for Paris to speak out for this to happen. In a perfect world, we would have known their stories decades ago and started the movement sooner. But sadly, that's just not the way of our world. And it's a way that does need to change. Provo Canyon schools have been abusing the children that are placed in there for decades. And each story is more heartbreaking than the last. As the walls came crashing down around the Provo Canyon schools at the beginning of 2020, they did what most companies do, released a carefully crafted, lengthy PR statement denying all of the allegations against them. First, they denied their ability to comment on any actions prior to the 2000s because they had changed ownership. And that's a pretty lackluster excuse. Of course, they go on to say that they run the most picture-perfect program apparently ever known to mankind and list off a survey from the late 2000s with nearly 100% of their 841 patients saying they were satisfied with their treatment. So they're perfect apparently. They say their work is done with all the supervision and strict guidelines that rely heavily on compassionate care and a nurturing environment laid out by evidence-based interventions. And sure, that's what they say, 
but the survivors certainly have a different story. In 1999, when Paris Hilton found herself at Provo, they were owned by Charter Behavioral Health Systems. But in 2000, when they filed for bankruptcy, Provo was sold to Universal Health Services, one of the largest hospital providers in the United States with a net annual revenue of about $11.37 billion in just 2019. If you believe the carefully crafted PR statement at this point, then the abuse should have stopped. At least that's what they seemingly want us to believe. But in reality, the allegations of abuse have continued far beyond the time new ownership came to town. Kayla Smith, who spoke to the Salt Lake Tribune, was only eight years old when her parents, along with the California School District, decided to send her to Utah. And yes, eight years old. It was 2010, nearly a decade after Provo Canyon had changed ownership. But the abuse was just as rampant. While Kayla was there, a staff strip searched her, put her in isolation rooms, and gave her shots that made her fall asleep if she cried while staff members held her down. Kayla had been repeatedly restrained and told the journal, it's very scary. Mostly, it just scares you more. You're really upset. The environment is just making it worse for you. And once again, let me reiterate, she was eight years old. Then there's the story of Odavian, whose mother, Michelle, had turned to the school for help when he was just 14 years old. One day, nine months into his stay, he was sweeping the floors when he got into an argument with another resident and an employee and very quickly things escalated. Security footage shows the staff member grabbing Odavian's neck, throwing him to the ground, and according to a police report, striking Odavian's head. But was anything done? No. Brittany, who shared her story with Survivors Breaking Silence, writes that her experience was hell. She was only ever referred to by her number, 361. They barely fed them, and when they did, the food was, quote, God awful. It's not like they had any other options. The staff was abusive and other girls would sexually harass the residents. When they told the staff about their experience, they would be laughed at. They controlled everything. The doors were all locked. They were told what to wear, what shampoo they could use, even what underwear was deemed appropriate. Now, years after finally escaping, after her father filed for full custody to save her, she rarely talks about the experience. She suffers from anxiety and depression and she writes, No child ever deserves to be sent to these places. The stories that have come out about Provo Canyon are heart-wrenching, but unfortunately, there are more kids that experience this abuse than we even see. The problem is it's not just Provo Canyon, but it's the entire troubled teen industry. They all seem to have these issues. We've spoken about some of these schools in previous episodes, and it's almost always the exact same methodology that they use of harming children under the guise of saving them. And most of these issues are ignored too. Abuse is just the beginning of the problems in some cases. Children that have gone through the industry have lost their lives due to the mistreatment or negligence of staff. One girl was only 15 years old when she went to a wilderness program in Nevada. And on her very first day, she died from heat stroke and dehydration. Her first fucking day. And it's not like this is by accident either. They do their best to disguise their actions and carefully sculpt their marketing and even the names they are called to make investigating them virtually impossible. The Government of Accountability Office tried once in 2007, but found that the state licensing rules and the labels of the schools were just so ambiguous that investigating the industry as a whole was nearly impossible. Eventually, they found thousands of reports of abuse, 
But here we are almost two decades later, and it seems like nothing has changed. Perhaps we shouldn't be so surprised because as we know, money runs the world. Ronald Davison, former director of the Mental Health Policy Program at the University of Illinois at Chicago says, exploiting troubled kids for profit is big business. And many state agencies are so desperate to find places that will take troubled children and they don't ask too many questions or monitor the quality of care that's supposedly being provided. For Provo and many of the schools just like it, this seems to be exactly what is happening. Over and over again, lawsuit after lawsuit, they have slipped away unscathed. Why? And before we continue on to see the aftermath of Provo Canyon School, let's go ahead and take a moment to thank today's sponsors because there's really no other place to put them. So use this as a quick little two to three minute breather before we get right back into it. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn creativity and leadership with Anna Wintour, which I know sounds super vague, but it is honestly a very refreshing and creative way to look at the world. I really recommend the course. As you may have known, I've been going through courses on modern Japanese cooking with Nikki Yakayama, which has been great except for the fish filleting because I am a baby and can't do it. And then there's also the newest course that I've been learning from, which is James Suckling's Wine Appreciation. And I just feel ever so slightly smarter at the dinner table, which is really what I was taking the course for. With over 150 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. And I've been taking all three of these courses and you can as well because Masterclass is going to offer you 15% off an annual membership to try any and every of their classes. Now, I've loved doing the modern Japanese cooking with Nikki. She's great. She's easy to follow along with. And even though I'm an absolute dolt in the kitchen, she has made me feel kind of like proficient in the kitchen, which is really quite a feat, honestly. And James Suckling's wine appreciation course has taken me from going, I know I don't like white wines, but I like red wines. And what the hell is a pink wine? And sometimes it bubbles and sometimes it doesn't. To now I'm like, okay, yeah, uh, there's a Petite Syrah, there's, you know, Ports, there's Cabernet, there's, uh, I'm still learning, but I know wine names now in general terms. And I'm starting to learn why I like certain wines over others, which is very much making me appreciate wine, which is what the class was about, might I add. And what's really great about Masterclass is it's not necessary to just sit down and do the class from start to finish. You know, you can take it piece by piece. They're nicely sectioned up. Like you can just even do five to 10 minutes. You can pause and come back to it. And that's what I've been doing. And it's been working fabulously. So I highly recommend you check it out. You can get unlimited access to every class. And as a listener to the channel, you can get 15% off an annual membership make sure you go to masterclass.com slash casket now. Again, that's masterclass.com slash casket for 15% off Masterclass. And then for those evenings where I just kind of maybe want the directions laid out for me and I don't really wanna do big thinking anymore with cooking, especially when it comes to filleting a fish, that's where HelloFresh comes in because changing seasons means changing tastes. And with over 30 weekly recipes to choose from, HelloFresh has a little something for everyone. And HelloFresh is now offering vegan recipes on the menu every week made without animal products of any kind to include dairy, meat, eggs, or even honey. So you can enjoy delicious meals like sweet chili tofu bowls or spicy coconut curry stir fry too, which by the way, don't don't slip up on that. The coconut curry stir fry, it actually does have a little bit of spice in it. It's kind of nice actually. 
And if you just don't have the time to do a full-blown cooking setup, HelloFresh also has quick and easy meals, like their 20-minute recipes or low prep and easy cleanup options. So that means you'll spend less time in the kitchen and more time with your loved ones. And they have recipes that are like one pan or one pot. So you literally just put everything into the one thing, cook it there, and then that's it. You got one pot to clean and then obviously like your plates, but it's that easy. So go to hellofresh.com slash casket65 and use code casket65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Again, that's hellofresh.com slash casket65 and use code casket65 for 65% off plus free shipping. So we already know what happened in the 1980s. Provo got sued and got away with a little slap on the wrist and some rules that they clearly break about every 10 seconds. But since then, they've successfully dodged a few other bullets just to continue their streak of humiliating and torturing kids for decades. First, there were the technicalities. And fun fact, if you want to file a lawsuit against Provo Canyon, you'll actually have to do so within four years of leaving the facility. Otherwise, it's going to get thrown out because of the statute of limitations. Multiple lawsuits were thrown out just because of this in the early 90s. But then in 1995, there was a lawsuit that seemed like it might actually make a difference. Taylor v. Provo Canyon School detailed the case of David Taylor, who spent a year as a residential patient in Utah as a minor. The lawsuit alleges fraud, negligence, false imprisonment, breach of fiduciary duty, and gross negligence. He was actually one of the few that successfully sued the school and won his case, but nothing seemed to change. Why? Well, the school just switched ownership. Ta-da! And just like that, they made everyone believe that all their problems would magically disappear. It's the same age-old gimmick. Just switch the name of the owners and move on to keep doing awful things. We've seen it time and time again. In 2004, a 10-page complaint was filed against the school by a registered nurse detailing the abuse of multiple children. One at only 15 years old had her nose broken after being slammed into a wall. Others allege that they had been given an overdose of Haldol, which is a drug that is typically used to treat schizophrenia. I hope I said that right, Haldol? 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 The nurse wrote about her daughter who was punished with isolation and seclusion for an entire week after she discussed her abuse in a group therapy setting. Eventually, her case was brought up by the Utah Valley District Attorney, but after only one week of investigation, they decided it didn't meet the requirements to be called abuse. Once again, isolation is usually considered torture, so it definitely should be considered abuse against minors. So did anything happen after the report was filed? You bet your bippy you know the answer, it's no. Why do they keep getting away with this? Well because the state of Utah doesn't actually seem to care. After all, the troubled teen industry has brought the state over $200 million in earnings. So in a really sick and twisted sense, it doesn't exactly benefit the state of Utah financially to bring attention to the atrocities of what seems to be one of their cash cows, even if that means disregarding children's lives in the process. For years, the licensing office in Utah didn't even have an investigation team. So let that sink in. So when complaints came barreling in, literally nothing could be done. They just sat in an office somewhere collecting dust. They had one person that deemed if a school had followed all of the licensing requirements or if they had broken any rules, and that one person, coincidentally, never seemed to find anything wrong. Over 95% of licensing requests were granted. 
Even when the schools were supposed to be on an increased state oversight, that was also apparently bullshit. In 2015, Provo was allegedly placed on notice by the Utah Office of Licensing after two kids brought the excessive force of the staff to their attention. And it was discovered that the staff had lied on their reports. So Utah told them they needed to comply with the office's rules. You know, you can't fucking abuse kids or face sanctions. But did they do that? No. Remember Odavian, the one that was thrown to the ground by a staff member and had his abuse literally caught on camera? Yeah, when that case was brought to their attention, all they did was file the complaint. That was it, no sanction. They didn't investigate the matter. They took absolutely no action against Provo. And that's despite the fact that Odavian was later admitted to the hospital with a concussion. So they have pretty much been abysmal in terms of helping any children placed under their supervision. But hopefully it seems like some of that is starting to change. Since the release of the Paris Hilton documentary, there has finally been waves of outcries calling for better regulation, or better yet, just to close down the damn school. I'm speaking out because no child deserves to be punished for expressing their feelings. Especially when that punishment just equals more torture and more trauma. As survivors of Provo have participated in protests and the incredibly difficult act of sharing their stories with the world, things are beginning to shift. Now, it seems like they're no longer screaming into a void. Now they're screaming into the faces of people that might actually be able to make a difference if they care enough. Breaking code silence with Paris Hilton in tow rolled up their sleeves and set their sights on creating meaningful legislation in Utah that hopefully would at least place more regulations on the horrific troubled teen industry in the state. Soon, Utah was listening and the state brought legislation forward that would finally, and hopefully, put some pressure on Provo to get its shit together. Lawmakers sat in awe as Paris described her years of nightmares following the abuse she suffered at the Provo Canyon School. And they were dumbfounded by the lack of protection that had been persisting there for decades. One lawmaker, Senator Daniel Thatcher, had watched a video clearly showing a child getting knocked out of his chair violently. And he said, I have so many questions, all of this physical abuse. How have there never been criminal charges? And I'm right there with you, Senator. How have there never been any criminal charges? And by the way, there still isn't to this day. Others brought up concerns that regulations just may not be far enough. I mean, they haven't been before, so why would they be now? Senator Luz Escamilla said, we need to start somewhere, but it's not enough. We are so behind. Of all the things we do to protect children, and this is happening in front of us and we're not doing enough. It's really embarrassing. I'm so sorry. And they're right, it's not enough, but it's a start. The new bill sets rules in place that forbid schools like Provo from using cruel, severe, unusual, or unnecessary practices on a child, which include strip searches, pain to obtain compliance, and discipline or punishment that is intended to frighten or humiliate. The signing of the bill marked the first time in over 15 years that any additional regulations have been put on the schools. And honestly, this still makes my brain melt that this actually had to be put in place like in law saying, hey, you can't be cruel, severe, or you know, enact unusual or unnecessary punishments on a child. You can't strip search a child. You cannot hurt them to obtain compliance. Like you can't do those. Like it's just wild to me that as adults who work there, they couldn't figure that out. They just assumed that was okay. 
Now, they did take this one step further and they allocated over $600,000 to full-time licensures so that they can, you know, actually do the job they were supposed to be doing all along and inspect the places they license. But as I said, this is just a start. Now, the federal government is taking a look into the industry, looking to fill the gaps that Utah can't regulate itself. For example, providing more oversight of the funds used for the schools and banning interstate transport, putting an end to the whole kids being kidnapped and taking across state lines to Provo Canyon. Hopefully we are watching the beginning of the end for the school that probably should have never existed in the first place. Hopefully this will be the beginning of the end of the troubled teen industry as a whole, which has scarred an insurmountable amount of people for the rest of their lives. Maybe, just maybe, money won't win this time, but there is a long way to go. Still, at least there's some hope for now. But with all of that being said, that is where I'm going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you learned something new. And if you did, make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. I highly recommend checking out the This Is Paris documentary as well. It is a hard watch, but it is a much needed watch. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I do really appreciate it and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.